cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of May 2009. For the newcomers to the show, you can look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and download as many of the previous talks I've given as you wish. We're trying to help you along by giving you shortcuts to the big picture to show you how the world is really run and governed. We call it governance today a term that's replacing government, in fact. Governance is simply the training of the public to obey authorities that are authorized by the top government. It's as simple as that. It's called post-democratic institutions. And I try to show you how it was set up, how it came into being, and how it was put across on the people by stealth and intergenerational conditioning until they can just go full steam ahead today because the future is always planned like one big business on the same scale as international corporations plan their investments for 50 years or even 100 years ahead. That's how the world is run, sometimes 200 years ahead. You can also look into Alan Watts sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks which you can download for prints up written in the various languages of Europe. And for those who just get the disc burned and passed around, and there's lots of them do, and they wonder how to get in touch with me, you can write to me or order by sending an addressed envelope to Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, Four N as in Nora, one. And you can also order by personal checks from Canada and the U.S. Or use PayPal. You'll find a PayPal button on my site. You just write an extra email to me and donate and get it that way. What a world. What a world. They to be living at this time when... The greatest changes are coming in since the Industrial Revolution was kicked off. This is according to Rockefeller, of course. He said there'll be mass migrations of people from countries to countries looking for work. And also, even within countries, huge amounts of people will move from one area to, to another area looking for work. And it's all planned that way because, remember, these are the same boys who gradually, through the 80s, would brought in the NAFTA, the free trade negotiations, then the NAFTA, and the GATT, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, to set up China to be the manufacturer, the manufacturer for the whole planet. So no one at the top is taken by surprise by anything that's happening when industry that's left falls apart. No one is, is surprised when the bubble economy, which is all imagination anyway, the casino, the stock market crashes. It's all planned that way because there's nothing to back it up. The industry is gone. 
And even the most basic book on economics will tell you that the country that has industry and actually produces material goods will be the leader because from that comes all the spin-offs, real spin-offs. When you live in a service economy, you're importing goods and passing them around. You just pass them around. That's all you do. You're treading water. And even when they set up the Economic Union of Europe to be a service economy back in the 70s, they were talking about it. They said at the time that that's exactly what they said. It's like a dog in a swimming pool treading water and eventually he runs out of steam and he drowns. That's a service economy. It's planned that way. And I think I hear the music coming in. So we'll be back after these messages on more of this topic. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Last year I mentioned an article, I read from an article in a newspaper where children in Britain were being hired by town councils to go snooping on neighbours and getting paid for it. Uh, they were as young as nine. But now they've gone a step further because, you see, most people don't object and they can go. This is, everything's a trial balloon. Everything in the media that uh, initially kind of shocks you is a trial balloon to see how much you'll take, you see. And if there's no real response, and generally today there's, there's no response at all from the mass of the people, they push the envelope to the next step that was planned that way anyway. And we saw this scenario in George Orwell's 1984, which is a masterpiece of this phase of the agenda. This phase is to be Orwellian for up to 2050, and then is to go into the, the new Huxleyan type of utopia. But in the meantime, we're going through the, the boot phase, the boot on the human face forever idea. That's what we're going through right now. And it's happening. And the public are... A, are out to lunch. But what can you say? They're out to lunch. They're, they are the dead, as they've always been classified by those at the top in all ages. They've never been awake. They're called the profane by the Masons because they're in the dark. They don't really know what's going on, and they have no care to know what's going on. That's the other part of it, too. That is perfect conditioning. Perfect conditioning. I remember Bill Cooper saying years ago that many people, many people will love socialism because you won't have a single decision that you have to make by yourself. It's all made for you. Well, they'll love this part of it, but they won't love what's coming. Because socialism has big, big plans. It's all to do with eugenics, the cutting off the population into a manageable size, but only those who will be saved that are essential to the economic system, and it'll be the new economic system. Even the report I read from the British think tank that works for the British military and NATO, and its counterpart, the US one, which is identical pretty well with its scenario for the next 50, 60 years, talk about the, the, this uh, new world order and the emerging global society they even say in it that they don't think themselves that there will be a global uh, world order for very long. They didn't say why. But definitely the idea is to bring it in for a while. I guess it's to have a global authority to bring everything down, bring the population down and all the rest of it. And then in about 2050, 60, 
uh, or even further on, there'll be some, a few super cities scattered across the world, very high tech. And presumably everyone who's in them will be uh, of, of essential necessity to those in the system, in that city, in the high tech system. That's what they envisage for the future. They have no mention of what's left, if anything, of the general population. That's economic necessity, and that's what it's called. If you have to go, you have to go. Simple as that. But getting back to the, 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 the council's hiring young Nazis, you see, that was in George Orwell's 84, where they gave them little uniforms, and they would point to adults and, and call them thought criminals. And they'd say, I'm going to report to you, you're a thought criminal. And that's here, folks. Orwell was not writing fiction. He was part of, he was, he was brought up and trained to be part of this system that's coming in on behalf of the elite. And he did turn against them. And when he turned against them, all the socialists turned against him. He was the darling of the socialists as long as he was writing pro-socialist articles. So he exposed them for what they were really all about. And he himself came to realize what they were really, really all about. They turned against him completely. And he told the truth in a fictional novel. 1984 used to be a classic and taught in all schools as a warning to what's coming along if you don't stop it. And now it's here. This is from the Mail Online, May 18th, 2009. Town halls hire citizen snoopers as young as seven to spy on neighbors and report wrongs by Lucy Ballinger. Children as young as seven are being recruited by councils, that's town and city councils, to act as citizen snoopers, the Daily Mail can reveal. The environment volunteers, there you go, Al Gore's little gremlins, will report on litter louts, noisy neighbors, and even families putting their rubbish, their garbage out on the wrong day. There are currently almost 9,000 people signed up to the schemes, 9,000 of them already more are likely to be recruited in the coming months. Controversially, some councils are running junior schemes which are recruiting children. And they're calling them surveillance councils. They recruit the ones at the seven years of age. After basic training, volunteers are expected to be the eyes and the ears of the town hall. They're given information packs about how to collect evidence, including tips about writing down number plates which could later be used in criminal prosecutions. Luton Borough's Council Street scene, uh, Schemes encourages its 650 volunteers to report environmental concerns. It's also recruiting junior street champions aged between 7 and 11. That'll be the little SS guys. Primary schools could also be involved within two years. Primary schools, that's from five years of age on. Similarly, Islington Council in North London has recruited 1,200 Islington eyes to report crime hotspots, fly tipping, that's dumping your garbage because it's so expensive, you just dump it somewhere else, and excess noise from uh, do-it-yourselfers, I guess. Volunteers are given a list of things to do when confronted with fly tippers, including taking photos without being seen. So they're given these cameras with the, with the cameras in them. Last year, the council undertook a recruitment drive for youngsters aged 9 and above called Junior Eyes. A spokesman for Islington Town Hall said it's not possible for the council to see what's going on in the borough at all, 
times, so our eyes for Islington are a great help reporting issues such as dangerous footpaths, fly tipping and graffiti. Walwyn Hatfield Council in Hertfordshire has given its 13 volunteers handheld computers to take photographs of problem areas. Handheld computers for them, eh? You know what they're going to grow up to be? You know the world they're creating, don't you? I hope you realize this. I hope you realize the world is being created here. You see, it's not just this mandatory volunteerism, this Hitler youth, the Stasi youth. This is also part of it. Everyone must serve the world system. And they're starting them off at a very young age and giving them incredible authority over all age groups. And you can imagine the personalities these children will have as they get older with all this power under their belt. It says the information is then uploaded to a map of troubled spots. Overall, a total of 8,442 volunteers have signed up at 17 councils in England. Other councils are set to follow their example and set up their own networks of volunteers. They say the scheme helps them find out problems which they might not know about otherwise, but critics are worried the scheme could easily be abused and encourage a big brother society. Well, what do you mean encourage is here? So, that's just one article along that line, and... uh, you have to read the writings, as I say, of the big planners who wrote in the early 1900s about the system that they would create and how it would take a 100 years for it to manifest intergenerationally. If you can get one generation to accept a partway measure, it's easier to get them, the next generation to go another partway, a third at a time. The third generation, of course, will grow up thinking this is all quite natural that they're given power at seven years of age over adults. And the adults will accept it too. In fact, adults will accept anything these days. They're proving it all the time. All the time. You know, it's so bad. And it's going to get a lot worse because, and people don't realize it too, the institutions that you have set up have different purposes than the ones that you've been propagandized into believing. Jax E. Lowell did a fantastic expose on propaganda, well worth reading, and how it's done. And he said in it, he said, people don't think or reason things through. He says they get their indoctrination through a form of osmosis, through repetition, And because those at the top simply keep saying the same things, they accept that opinion without reasoning it through for themselves. That becomes their their opinion. And they'll find when they toss it off the heads of those around them, they get the same answers back because they all get the same indoctrination at the same time. They all think it's quite normal. Anything at all, any way of life, as Lenin said, can be made to be normal. Anything at all. And going back even further, these sciences were known in the times of Plato. Remember when Plato said that anything, anything that people have been made to do in the past, from killing their firstborn to whatever, can be reintroduced at any time in the future. If you know the sequence of the formula, you can reintroduce it and make them do the same things again. And it works. It's all formula. 
But Jack Slaw went into the police and he said, they said, every television show, and before that it was all radio shows, to do with, and fictionally, you talk about fiction, to do with police and dramas, where it was all propaganda. The same with hospitals, and Ben Casey, and all those early shows on the wonderful, when they were elevating doctors into a holy status, they were not considered as very holy before that. In fact, they couldn't do very much for you in reality, and the people knew that. But through fiction, they were given this holy status. And the same with the police. But what really are the police there for? Number one, they're there to keep this order in place. And I'll be back with more after these messages. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about how propaganda creates reality. And that's all it is. It's perceptions. Perceptions overcome your own reasoning, especially if you don't use any reason. And most people don't see why they should. Why would the media and all these experts be lying to you about anything? And they do believe that entertainment is really there to entertain them and nothing else. Nothing else. This is from the Mail Online. It says, Now demoralized police are sent on litter patrols in a bid to hit performance records or targets. Well, we all know uh, that they're sent out there on the roads, for instance, to hand out X amount of tickets per per cop. They've got to do it. If they want to keep their jobs and and get up the ladder, they've got to hand out X amount of... Because every town, every city depends on that income. They, they actually factor that into their budget. The expected ticketing is to go on. And you all know too that as, as Carl Jung said a long time ago, he said all bureaucracies and all government agencies expand like cancers. They can't help it. They must try and become bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger they are, the more secure they feel. Otherwise, if they, if they stay small, don't bring in an income, they might get axed, you see. So they always tend to just expand and expand. And there's only one place they can get the money from, and that's the taxpayer at the bottom. And that's how all government operates. So they're sending up police now, and not just on the roads, but to hand out littering tickets. From the Daily Mail, 15th of May, police have been ordered to go on litter patrols in a bid to boost the number of people nicked for minor offences. Officers will be forced to ditch their uniforms and go out undercover, undercover in plain clothes, in an attempt to hit performance targets. Says the cops are furious over the move because they don't even have the powers to issue on-the-spot fines. They love on-the-spot fines. Instead, they'll have to radio a PCSO, which is a lower-ranking officer, to attend the scene to slap the offender with a 50-pound to 80-pound penalty. That's not bad for dropping a caramel paper, is it? Good cash. The Home Office rules state that only PCSOs and council officers can issue such fines. The crackdown has been run by North Wales Police, where year-on-year serious crime statistics have rocketed. So they ignore the serious crime because that costs money. But they can bring in the easy money by going after people who drop a, a piece of paper or something like that. 
And it tells you in the article too how they're given target quotas to fulfill and how they must do it, etc. And how they've, they've also been uh, given the go-ahead by the, by the federal government of Britain. And it's all spread everywhere. And you've also got these little children doing it now as well. And probably following you to your home and looking through your window and all the rest of it. This is the brave new world we're coming into and it's been authorized by government agencies. And the people don't really mind. If they did mind, they'd do something about it, but they don't. They acquiesce by their silence. And that is legal. That's the legal definition of acceptance. I said years ago that when the U.S. was in the the business of finishing off the last few countries to bring into the New World Order, they'd be pulling the the plug back home. They'd be pulling the rug from under the feet of the U.S. citizens. And everyone has probably heard, of course, about the GM and all the other plants that are axing the dealers. GM is whacking 1,100 dealers, it says in the CNN Money article here. And uh, even up in Sudbury there, I noticed when I was in on Friday, the same thing. There was one or two dealers there with guys picketing out front because they're being axed as well. And people don't realize there's a lot of spin-off businesses come from everything that's axed, all these, especially from manufacturing. Those whole towns make their living off servicing and supplying uh, for instance, the mines in Sudbury and down in Chicago is to do with the plants. Many, many businesses do that. And once those businesses are gone, the main businesses are gone, the rest of them just fold, pack up or move on somewhere else. There's no, really, there's no real choice now to move on to anywhere unless it's out of the country because pretty well everything else is gone. In this article here, and from May the 15th, it says General Motors notified 1,100 of its 6,000 dealers Friday that it's terminating their contracts with the struggling automaker, the first step in cutting up to 40% of its retail network. So that's the first step. And that, that also means that supply departments, the warehouses with suppliers, all the stock uh, takers, etc., they all go as well. GM spokesman Susan Gorontakos said that the dealers receiving notice Friday are being told that their contracts will not be renewed in October 2010. Many of them are expected to close shop this year. The company is likely to cut another 900 and eventually get its network down between 3,600 and 4,000 dealers by next year, Jim Vice President Mark Laneuve said. It's interesting, too, that people have forgotten. It was only about two years ago, it was, it was in the newspapers at the time, that GM and Ford were well underway uh, with negotiations and steps to set up plants in Russia for the future. People have forgotten this. Nothing, as I say, not, nothing on a major scale takes the boys at the top by surprise because they plan the future. And the guys, the guys at the very top of uh, GM and Ford, remember it's all compartmentalized, uh, were already preparing for this a long time ago. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
cutting through the matrix, just showing you some of the changes that are happening in our lifetimes, and we're living through, as Rockefeller said, the greatest change, greatest upheaval since the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution, which displaced millions of people off the land into the big cities to man the factories. And we will see great displacements of people. It's already happening worldwide. And it's all been planned ahead, all the ways to deal with it all. And as it's happening, too, we're seeing Big Brother come out in a thousand thousand ways, sometimes very minuscule in a sense, other times rather heavy-handed. But it's all part of what's called governance now, the post-democratic society. Remember the Club of Rome and the Council on Foreign Relations have already said, including Margaret Thatcher, who belonged to the parallel government in her own words, she said that democracy is too cumbersome, whereas we, the parallel government, all ex-prime ministers and presidents and top-level bureaucrats who are, have left politics, at least left the voting part of it, can get the work done without being responsible to the public or without being held up by party bickering. That's the new system that was designed to come in. But it's also going right down to the bottom level where cops now Take it personally if you challenge anything they say. Uh, the old days of training them to call you sir and be, you know, be nice to you, etc., and polite and be patient with people is well and truly over. So much so that the cops' programs that they show in Britain, that the, the PR programs, will actually show you the cops cursing and swearing at the, the people they catch on the highways and so on, quite openly, and laughing at elderly people, having a, go- a jolly good chuckle at the old and this is an article here to show you it's right down to the bottom level Montreal, this is from uh, the Globe and Mail, their national section March or May 15, 2009 Montreal, anyone who has ridden an escalator and bothered to pay attention has seen and likely ignored the, the signs suggesting that riders hold the grimy handrail and they are grimy and everyone's terrified of touching anything these days especially in mass transit in times of flu outbreaks and all this hype and fear and terror that the media has created. It says, in Montreal's subway system, the friendly advice to have taken on the force of law is now backed by a $100 fine. Bella Kozayan, a 30-year-old mother of two, said when she didn't hold the handrail on Wednesday, she was cuffed by the police, dragged into a small holding cell and fined. She said it was horrible, disgusting behavior by the police. Miss, Miss, Miss Kozian, a 30-year-old student, 38-year-old student of international law, <laughs> she said, I did nothing wrong. They should go and find the guys who stole my tires off the balcony. Well, that would be cost, that wouldn't be cost-effective doing that, where it's easy to get money off this woman, you see. Miss Kozian, who studies at the University of Montreal, was riding an escalator down to catch a 5.30 p.m. subway from the suburb of Laval to an evening class downtown when she started rifling through her backpack looking for a fare. Miss Kozian, who, who grew up in Georgia when it was still part of the Soviet Union, says she didn't catch the officer's instructions to hold the rail when he first approached. When he told her again to hang on, she said she replied, I don't have three hands. Oh, that was a mistake. Ho, 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 the challenge right there. Besides, she had been sick and feared catching a new bug. That's when the officer demanded ID so that he could write her a ticket. She started to argue, big mistake again, eh? The officers handcuffed her and threw her into a small holding cell. 
and then they searched her bag and gave her a $100 ticket for failing to hold the banister and another $320 ticket for obstruction. In other words, talking back to them. You're not allowed to talk back to them anymore because they are the authority. They are the authority. In fact, they all should tell you they are the law, some of them. No kidding. The handcuffs bruise Miss Cassin's wrist and an officer, her, her his boot scrapes skin off the top of her foot. She intends to fight the tickets. And on and on it goes. So this is what's all coming down in the, the big brother world we're living in. And what the unfortunate part is government is giving all authority now to the police at the bottom. You understand how we are viewed at the bottom line. If you look at the sociologists and read their articles, they view all society at the bottom level as just one big mass of almost illiterate people. That's not, no kidding. That's how they really see us all as children. And so they, they look at statistics and say, well, there'll be so many family arguments this year and domestic disputes and so many of this and so many of that. And therefore, uh, personality, individual personality or circumstance has nothing to do with it. They don't care who's right and who's wrong in any situation. They just want to go in and find people and get money coming into the coffers, basically. And children will always fight and squabble, and that's literally how they look at society. That's the term that they used in the Soviet Union, by the way, was collective punishment. Someone committed a certain type of crime, they'd ban everything to do with that crime, so, so no one could, could have the choice of using anything responsibly. You're all guilty. That's what the world has copied. Remember, the Club of Rome said they favored the collectivist, which was the Soviet system. That's what's here. That's what they were talking about in the Rees Commission when they found the big uh, institutions were backing all the left-wing communist groups, etc. And they, they told uh, uh, the, the representative that was sent to the Ford and Carnegie foundations, they were told by the CEOs that their job was to change the culture so much in America that would blend seamlessly with that of the Soviet Union. That has happened. That literally has happened. It also shows you that statements like that show you that they understood perfectly the science of intergenerational indoctrination and change, how they could pull it off perfectly. And they were right. So it wasn't as though they were just finding out a science. That science was already known. I used to wonder about Lenin's statement when he said, there are a thousand directions that society could go, but the public must never be allowed to know that. They must think that the society and system they're born into is the only natural one that could have evolved simply because it exists. It never occurs to them that it was planned that way a long, long time ago. It's that simple. Those who control the past control the present, and those who control the present control the future, or something like that, according to Orwell. And it's so true. Now, there's Dale from Michigan on the line. Is Dale there? Hi, Alan. Yes. Um, I have sent you a couple of packets of um, written material, yes. and I didn't know whether you had gotten them or not. And then I was listening to some of the downloads while I was downloading the other day and heard you talking to both Jackie Petru and also the um, guy on Red Ice. Uh -huh. And you had mentioned the Amish and everything and um, that they were given that name 
uh, you didn't say this, but the, the uh, leader was Jacob Amon. <laughs> but um, so I just sometime would like to know what you said about or thought about what I sent you. But um, I've been talking to people lately about NAFTA and how George Bush uh, Sr. Mm-hmm. had um, met with Salinas and Mulroney yeah. uh, in 1992 and that it was on fast track, and Bill Clinton signed it in uh, December mm-hmm. of 1993, and that in it, um, corporations were guaranteed that they would not lose money when they relocated That's to right. other countries. Mm-hmm. And so, and and the way they were going to pay them back was with taxpayers' money. <laughs> That's so right. We what he said in the contract was that the taxpayer will fund any losses incurred for, for, for moving and set up in another country uh, for 10 years. Right. 10 years guarantee, yeah. So, so we subsidized their move out of the country. That's right. And today on the news, they actually said that United States auto manufacturers were going to locate outside their manufacturing outside the country, and they were going to import their cars from China mm-hmm. into the United States. Yep. And they had already, with some of the uh, subsidy money, the bailout money they'd been given, uh, sent billions to Brazil, which they, and they said they'd be stupid not to because it's their most profitable um, operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I talked to someone yesterday when I was out, and he was saying, well, you know, uh, because we were talking about the economy and everything, and he said that, you know, well, knock on wood, he and his family were still doing all right, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, and, that's, and it's, mm, it's that's like, you know, buddy, that, that sentence isn't going to be half out of your mouth, and you're going to find yourself destitute. And yeah. all I could think about was Jacques Attali and, you know, saying that, you know, the, the people of the United States would be the new boat people. Yep. looking for work abroad. <laughs> yeah, and you won't get subsidized to do it either and move. Yeah, believe no, that. No. Yeah, believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, I just, I don't, but I did, uh, and another thing was Hermes. I was reading about Hermes today, and they said that uh, a symbol associated with Hermes was the turtle. And I had always wondered, um, downtown we have a Masonic temple, that refused to move when they were putting in the highway, so they had to redesign the layout around the temple. And when you talk about as above, so below, mm-hmm. it's kind of like with a pyramid and as above, so below, people think of the stars in the sky and then the, the temple layout on the surface of the earth. But mm-hmm. what they don't realize is that Masons build more underground and everything they do is underground rather than on the surface, it's sort of like a um, uh, iceberg. <laughs> yeah. And, and they'll lie to you and tell you. I mean, I actually had one tell me, you know, they don't build underground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you look at all of the bunkers and everything they're building for themselves, and um, you just have to wonder what kind of cataclysm, you know. And, and I, I think of the thing, you know, um, uh, the fire next time. Everybody's expecting a flood because of global warming. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so right. It's more like the fire next time. What are they talking about? Yeah. You know? I always remember, I always think of Tesla. Tesla, who came up with the, 
the standing wave technology that's now called HARP. Uh, he said that it was a fantastic weapon. Remember, the Tesla was really financed initially to create uh, weaponry, uh, electropulse weaponry and plasma weaponry that would knock out entire cities. And he did apparently come up with the technology. But he did say that this uh, standing wave technology, the HARP technology, had the potential to literally ignite the atmosphere of the Earth, and that's what he was afraid of. Mm -hmm. yeah. It would be so superheated, it could literally cause a, a flash across the world. Yeah, yeah. another thing um, they had on John Stewart, uh, the thing about uh, the Queen Elizabeth proroguing Parliament, mm -hmm. and um, there was something... Uh, on television about the bunkers that they've built uh, uh, during the Cold War. Oh, yeah. And they so built one that. for millions of dollars, millions and millions of taxpayer dollars, yep. this bunker under a uh, resort hotel in West Virginia where what? the royal family liked to vacation. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know? And Just they, in and case. They, <laughs> yeah, and, and they talked about, you know, these hidden walls and how, you know, people in the hotel wouldn't notice them except that there were these hinges, you uh -huh. know, and how, um, but in case of an emergency, you know, uh, only uh, strategic personnel and, you know, these royals would go underground and I guess everybody else would fry. And Margaret Thatcher <laughs> came under fire for that because during her reign, of course, that's when they were really going at it to, to upgrade these buildings. One of them cost $140 million under, under a building in London that mm -hmm. the Queen could come down to and some of the elite. And then that charged the taxpayer another $70 million for extensions to it. But she, Thatcher said that the ordinary people would not be given access during times of the crisis, and special air service troops and special forces would guard it and kill anyone else trying to get in. So you're right, the public are not allowed access. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that gets me is every time you drive into a town, whether it's a little town or or larger, you see what they call the service board that has, you know, the Masonic emblems all over it, the Lions mm -hmm. Club and everything. And one of them is Altrusa, and that is a day nursery for young children. Uh -huh. And and when you put that together with NAMBLA, you know, the North American Man-Boy yeah. Love Association, yeah. you know, and uh -huh. how they're trying to lower the age, you know, it, and right. it doesn't require consent. And then when you get into mind control, the fact that they actually rape children, mm -hmm. where's the consent in that? I know. Oh, yeah. And, and what child knows what they're really doing? You don't even know who you are. Even even you're a teenager, you're, you're gangly, you're awkward, you're, you're still trying to find yourself. Meanwhile, they're trying to say that a child can give consent. That's nonsense. Yeah. And some of the people, you know, that are looked up to, Allen Ginsberg of the Beat gener Generation and everything, yeah. said sex by eight or it's too late. Yes. You know, and, and I am conflicted because you think, you know, well, grown-ups, you know, between consenting adults, but when children have been abused they don't know what yeah. they would have chosen that's right that is right and they can never important. undo it yeah. yeah yeah so but if you ever get a chance i'd really appreciate you know like a um a response back on what i had sent you yes i'll, I'll look when it comes in yeah oh i already sent it a long time ago oh you do very expensive envelopes <laughs> I don't think they arrived. Oh, and I and I emailed you too, and I really wondered why you know I hadn't gotten anything back. But um, do you know? Well, I'll tell you. Email me again, and I'll check in to see when it was and see if we can trace them. 
Okay. Okie doke. Okay, thank you. Thanks for calling. Now, it's Antonio from Toronto. Are you there, Antonio? Oh, yes, hi, Alan. How are you today? Not so bad. <clears throat> I called in before. Um, just something that's happening, and I just sort of put it this way, understanding the forum that we're on. Uh, if you knew someone who was on the edge of waking up and they were going to be meeting, let's say, someone like Michael Ignatioff, what two questions do you think you would ask, uh, uh, tell that person to ask them to wake them up? Uh to be honest with you, I'd, I'd, I'd have to know if they really wanted to be woken up, and I'd ask them if you want to open Pandora's box. They because do. once you open it, you can't go back into the, into the walking dead anymore. You can't undo what you've learned. Right. And it's open forever, you know. But that's where I'd really ask them, do you really want to open Pandora's box? Yes, actually, he, the, 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 uh, they, they encouraged it, so I said I'd get back to them, and I actually I thought of you, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. And then can they handle can they handle the news? Because it's not as though you're giving them. See, most people initially want to know a solution. In fact, they'll, they'll get angry at you if you don't present them with the solution, because they're so used to having people manage their lives that they expect someone else to to come in and manage the solution for them as well. Right, right. So you're not offering offering a solution to them. The solution is in waking up itself, because the more people who have truly woken up, if nothing else, and I think Orwell was right, it might take 500 to 1,000 years for this to change, this mammoth has been in operation for thousands of years. But hold on, and we'll be back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix, and still have Antonio from Toronto. There, you this Antonio. I am still here. Yes, and you'd have to also make sure that they, they have the ability to, because you will go through a crash when you really understand what's going on. Uh, you find that even your own persona, or maybe even the clothes you adopt, or the style that you've adopted, and who you think you are, all that will go as well. When you realise it's all been made for you to choose out of a handful of directions, you've picked one, and. Uh, that's a common thing as well. The person tends to crash. And then if they refine themselves, and that's what the, the ancients used to call um, know thyself, if you know thyself. But truly, when you're in the matrix as such, you don't know who you are. You think you do. But you've just chosen a persona, a persona that gets you through it. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. During the break, I just sort of thought about it. But the way it came up was I wasn't looking for it, but it came up as if I, if I had two questions to ask, what would I ask? And I said, I have to think about it. When it was presented to me that uh, you know that they were going to be meeting and had the opportunity to do such, I just thought, "Wow, what an opportunity!" But mm-hmm. now hearing the other side of it, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. have to engage them. Are they are, are they capable? Do you think they're capable of? I do. I do because I'm constantly getting questioned about the ver- you know the validity of my information, and yeah. although they try to remain open, I see that they don't. You know, as Second Thessalonians chapter five verse uh, uh, f- f- wait five twenty says, "Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good." Yeah, they don't take the time to do the research. They're too busy watching American Idol and. You know. Well, yes, see, when they're still in that, you can't change them. Yeah. Yeah, you you can't do it. You, you cannot compete. With regular media indoctrination, you can't. It's too perfect a science, and therefore I, I'd really advise you to find the, the, the occasional 
a person who is different and who's already searching, just don't have the answers, but they're already searching. That's what right, that's my right. Yeah, you can't compete with re- regular indoctrination. Can't be done. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. And the, the check is in the mail. <laughs> uh, thank, I appreciate that. I should always mention that because and, that's uh, always short. Absolutely, people. This, this gentleman is a watchman, and uh, I'll tell you right now, the time is getting short, so um, we need all it the is. watchmen we can get. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for calling. And uh, is Sam from Australia still there? Hey, Alan, how are you? Not so bad. How are you doing? I'm um, pretty good, thank you. Um, it was interesting what the uh, other two callers were saying about uh, the first, your, your last caller was talking about waking people up. It's um, interesting that I always sort of see it as, um, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're actually waking someone up. If you do it like a drill sergeant, which, you know, I've made the mistake of, of doing in, in the past, then people just don't appreciate it. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's important just to give gentle nudges, um, mm-hmm. find out what's important in their lives and sort of, shed a bit of light, ask some questions like, oh, you know, like the other day, a friend of mine worked in finance. I just asked him, so, uh, you know, who owns the, uh, the, the, the Federal Reserve, in your opinion? Yeah. He knew. Mm-hmm. And it just got him thinking. Just, just simple questions. And it was interesting what the other um, uh, caller was saying about, uh, you know, Masonic sort of symbolism all over the place. I, I called up late last year and, uh, and spoke to you about a, a fight that we have here uh, in Sydney's Hyde Park, we've got a war memorial, we've got uh, an obelisk, we've also got mm-hmm. something called the Archibald Fountain. Didn't realise what the... Um... Is that the music coming in? It's coming in, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but you're right, these Masonic ones are all over the world, and these guys came out in the open with their agenda in the American Revolution. They'd said what their agenda was for, for a world system, a federated world under 12 wise men as a government. That's what they said. Benjamin Franklin said that. And thanks for, for listening in, folks. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>